Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined by Bo Hammond. Bo, uh, it's good to have you today. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to the conversation. Uh, and Bo's joining me today to share his testimony. Bo, usually Pastor Margaret and I, when she's here, uh, we start out with kind of a fun, lighthearted question. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? I'm an old-fashioned standard guy. I like butter pecan. If butter pecan's on the menu, I'll, I'll get it. But I'll tell you, I, I, you asked me that question, so... And not to put an ad in for anybody in particular, but Smiley's Ice Cream has the only time I've ever seen this. You know those little lemon bars you can get uh-huh. in the Krusty's boxes? They have a lemon bar ice cream, and it is probably the best ice cream I've had in years. But it's only seasonal for them. They come month okay. to month, you know? Right. So butter pecan is my standby. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a plain vanilla guy. That's okay, And too. so when you said old-fashioned, I thought maybe you were going to go vanilla, <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, uh, if you would just start out uh, telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Yep. So I'm from this area, from the Shenandoah Valley originally. I mean, I was born outside of the Shenandoah Valley, but was very young. I was born on a military base. My father was in the Army. and But all of my impressionable time has been spent between Hinton and Bridgewater, Sangerville area. And then my wife and I now live in Mount Sydney, minus a little departure after college to go work somewhere else. But my childhood was... Fairly unremarkable, um, as is my testimony, really. But there are things in it that uh, that hopefully hopefully can benefit some others. But I grew up in this area. Went to Turner Ashby High School, Bridgewater Elementary School. Been in the Shenandoah Valley forever. And, and it's funny when you when you leave, and I've had the chance to leave for work and a few other things. You really learn to appreciate the things you didn't appreciate when you were here. And this is one of the most beautiful areas. And of course, this time of year, we were talking about it in men's group this morning. Gets a little cooler, and you can put that sweatshirt on. It's a great time of year. It's awesome here in the valley. So, yep, it's uh, definitely beautiful again in the fall. You know, mm. with all the colors, and you know, we're kind of coming up on that. And uh, just so, what what was it like to you know? I ever since I'm seven, I wasn't born here, mm-hmm. but we moved here when I was seven, so I know a little bit about what it's like to grow up in the valley. But just what was it like for you growing up in the valley? Tell us a little bit about that. It was a lot of uh, my father, uh, you know, instilled a, a, was never, didn't grow up in the church by any stretch. Um, we went to church early on. I remember Mount Horb, United Methodist Church out in Hinton. Uh, I remember going there as a kid. And for whatever reason, which I'm not even sure I know, um, we stopped going. And so I didn't really grow up in the church, but I do remember a lot of my father always cut wood. We burnt wood. So one of the distinct memories I have that's probably pretty unique to the Shenandoah Valley is we would bid on U.S. forest tracks of timber, you know, and go clear cut them. My father worked with someone else that did that, and so a lot of our weekends were spent cutting wood and hauling it, and I did a lot of that type of stuff outdoors. Um, my father, we've always been, we like to hike and be out in the woods. Uh, my father got into bike riding as I was as I was in my later childhood, and so that's a big thing in this community, mountain biking and that type of thing. So a lot of outdoors activities when you live in the Shenandoah Valley for me. And, uh, you know, you mentioned chopping wood with your dad and an outdoors type stuff. You mentioned that you had gone to church as a, as a smaller mm-hmm. kid, but then at some point y'all stopped going to church and you weren't really sure why. And I, because I know you, I know a little bit about 
your testimony. I should say that you and I, uh, and we'll get to this uh, in a little while, but we lead the Mm -hmm. uh, small group for the eighth grade boys here at uh, Church of the Nazarene in Harrisonburg and have a great time doing that. Tainting impressionable young people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a funny way of putting it. So you said that your family had stopped going to church. Um, At what point were you drawn back to the church? Or, you know, maybe it was a few years. What drew you back to the church? And about when was that? And any gaps you want to fill in in between? So, yeah. So, like I said, my my testimonies, I say it's not terribly remarkable. And I was thinking back on it, obviously, in preparation for, for speaking with you and it's not remarkable. There's not a, there's not a big, you know, I wasn't addicted to something and came out of it. I didn't have a catastrophe in my household. I didn't have a major death that caused this big moment. Um, but I do, I remember periods where God would poke his head into my life. And so I remember distinctly as a kid going to church Then I remember we didn't. And, you know, then I remember, uh, as I went off to college, you know, my life, basically, I guess from the time we didn't, we stopped going to church really until early college years, you can just kind of see where God wasn't present, right? And I, I can pin several different phases of my life that way. So if we started going to church when I was little, and I remember that, and then I didn't until early college was kind of the next pinnacle of my life. So a lot of, I won't say it was self-serving. Like I said, my father was a hardworking guy, still is, still alive. Both my parents instilled good morals, Right. Just not Christian-based morals. So the, the linkage between having a good moral foundation and why you're a good person or why you're polite to people or why you hold the door for ladies or say, yes, ma'am, no, sir, you know, those things really didn't have any connection as to why we would want to be that way. You know, it was just the things I was expected to do, so I did them. But at the same time, I was very self-serving in the sense that if I wanted to do something or something felt good or you know, I wanted to be accepted by a peer group, I would do that very much too. So as I headed into college early on, um, had uh, some less than stellar academic performances because I was making choices that really weren't in line with with what I should have been doing character-wise. And so, you know, I made the decision second year of college after I managed to pull a point four, which is a one of those little known facts when you're talking to people. And I will tell you that pulling a point four is much harder than pulling a 4.0. You have to actually work to be that bad at school. Uh, and I just had too many distractions. I wasn't ready. I wasn't, I hadn't grown up enough. And so I made the decision to enlist in the army and I enlisted in the army and went and left and went into national guard, um, and did my basic training and advanced training and then transferred into an infantry unit guard unit there around Christiansburg. And when I came back to, and so as I left there and did that in the army, God poked his head back in. So there were moments on Sunday when you had, you had very little time to yourself when you're in the army, right? And there were just, that was a chance to go to chapel and it was a non-denominational chapel and you had some time to yourself. And for whatever reason, I was drawn to go do that. And so God started speaking to me again. Unfortunately, I didn't buy in a hundred percent again. And so as I left the army and came back to school, did better in school. So it helped kind of define some things for me. But then as I got into my work life and married life and then moved away from here for X number of years, I found myself then centering it more on my career. So then the self-serving thing became, oh, it's my career. I define myself by my work. I define myself by being important, by being a stature, by collecting new titles, you know, those type of things. And it really took until it was 2004. I can remember it distinctly. It was April 2004. We'd had our first daughter in 2002. She was young. Uh, I was very much working a lot. 
Um, I had managed to get to a VP level with the company that I was with. And that's what consumed me. And as I spent all my time doing it, I spent all my time thinking about it. And I was telling the story to the men's group the other week. I had a realtor. We were buying a new piece of real estate, uh, moving from one house to another. And the realtor was a Christian woman. And she really didn't, I didn't know or not know, but she got the full bow. So we had some difficulties with the people that were selling the house. And many phone conversations where I used as many alliterations and colorful language as you could probably string together. And I just, it, and it was just my reaction to things. It was just, and I wasn't angry at her. It was a situation, but I was just, had a temper. And I, I just, I used language to kind of diffuse the situation. And we closed the deal on that house. And when we did, I think she either bought us dinner, lunch, breakfast, something. And she invited us to church. She said, you know, I think you could really use this. And and I was like, what? You know, and kind of stepped back. And my wife had always been a church-going person. And I have a fairly charismatic style, I've been told. And so she had gone away from church being with me, right? And so she kind of said, I, I think that'd be a good idea. We have a daughter now. And so I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's try this church. So we went to the Emmanuel Baptist Church in uh, Clarksburg, West Virginia, and uh, started going and attending there. And regularly. And I was, I was like, probably a lot of people are when you're sitting in church and you know, you don't belong, right. Or you feel like you don't belong. I mean, that's exactly the people that belong, but you feel like you don't belong because you know, you're not living that life. You're not even trying to live that life. Right. But you're there because somebody told you you should be, or you felt some call. And so, uh, we were sitting there and one Sunday it was, it was around Easter. It was April of 2004. And the pastor, Bruce McBride was his name. He came out dressed in tattered garb, sandals on. He looked like an Israelite, right? And he comes out and he starts speaking about how this person had taken his place. Of course, he was Barabbas, right? Right. And he spoke from Barabbas's perspective about truly having... Jesus step into his literal place on the cross, right? So we all talk about Jesus died on the cross for us. I'm sure he did. But Barabbas is the one guy who can actually say physically, I got off of it and he stepped on it. And he just laid this whole testimony from Barabbas's perspective out. And, you know, I never thought I'd be this guy. I stepped out of an aisle and I walked to the front when they made a call and I dropped onto my knees and, and asked the Lord to you know, accepted Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive me of my sins and, and then have been on a journey. So I, I, you know, I said, God's poked his head in at different points and that's the one that finally took. And then I can tell you since then, it hadn't always been peaches and roses, but it's certainly, I feel like I'm still working in that direction. And he certainly, I definitely know that he's in my life day in and day out. Um, I know there's things I need to work on, but I, but I definitely feel like I'm finally at that point where I can be, I can be working on the right things instead of just drifting the other way. So. Well, Bo, as you were sharing, a couple things stuck out to me. First of all, you were talking about when you first came into church and you felt like you didn't belong. or You you know, I mean, none of us are worthy of God's love. And that's the point of it. You know, he forgave us, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. And we just have to humble ourselves and, you know, say, Lord, you know, like you did that day when you came to the altar, just surrender our lives to him and... It's not that he needs us, but he wants us. He cares about us. He loves us. He wants us. And uh, that was also cool that you were talking about uh, the perspective of Barabbas. And that's, I've, yeah. I mean, I say I've never thought of it that way, but never that clearly, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's obviously Pilate said, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? And they said, give me Barabbas. And Barabbas was a sinner and Jesus was innocent. 
And so that's kind of the whole Old Testament, like an innocent lamb being sacrificed for the sins of a person in those days, the Israelites. So just share about, I mean, if there's, maybe there's somebody listening and maybe they're afraid to go to church because they feel like, well, the church won't accept me or, you know, I don't fit in or, Mm -hmm. you know, just share about, you know, you mentioned that you had somebody invite you to church, Mm -hmm. but just tell them, Maybe they're thinking about taking that step into church, but they're just not sure. Just anything, any words of advice from that perspective that you had those years when you first came back to church. You know, it's it's, it's truly just taking the leap of faith. I mean, you know, it. you're never going to know unless you try. And one of the things I said as I was being baptized, they had a, at this church, they had a, a baptismal above the church. It was kind of up, up above. And so you got baptized and you were kind of looking down. And, and the way they did it, they said, what was your, you know, why did you, why did you decide to accept Christ? And do you have a verse? And my verse was, I think it's first Corinthians five seventeen, the one about transformed and, and a new being and all that stuff. And then, and I said, you know, real practically, again, I came to it at 32. So I have a very practical perspective on my faith. I said, you know, what if I'm wrong? You know I mean? What if I'm, what if I'm in the minority here? What if, you know, it's, it's easy in today's society to think, ah, church, that's, you know, a bunch of goodies and it's not fun. And they just sit around and, what if the thing that we actually believe, the part about salvation and the part about Jesus dying for our sins is true? Right. And if you look at it that way, and it's not a, well, I'll do it just because it's not what happens right. to you. But if you just get over your preconceived notions and you say, geez, why don't I go find out what they're about? Maybe it makes sense to me. Then I think it could. And 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 the other thing I would say is I'm far from perfect. And so right. some of the same things I struggled with through my life, I continue to struggle with. And honestly, to come in here today, I'm not a model Christian in my eyes, Um, but I work at it. I try and serve. I look at it very practically. I think about Jesus dying for me. I certainly, he doesn't think I owe him anything, but I think I owe him something. And so I want to try and be a better person than I was before. And it's an everyday thing. And my family can tell you that. My friends can tell you that. I'll be honest. There's some people that may not know I'm a Christian, which is my fault. And it's something I'm working on as you, as you struggle through this journey that never ends, right? Until the day we die and get to meet our maker. So you know, you're never not good enough. You're never not worthy. And what's it cost for you to jump into a church right. and just listen? Right. That's That would be my biggest advice to somebody who may yeah. be thinking, ah, you know, it's not for me. Just you don't ta- know. Just take a leap of faith. And as you were talking, I was thinking about uh, something I shared recently with a group of men when we were talking about how, you know, God's not done with us. He's still working on us. The day-by-day process you were talking about, I think... About something my grandfather said on his deathbed, and he's one of the most godly men I've mm-hmm. ever known. And he said, uh, "Jesus is still working on me to make me the one I ought to be." Yeah. And uh, this is a man dying of cancer who loves the Lord, and uh, yeah. you know everybody he came in contact with, he made sure to share Christ. But even he was saying yeah. the Lord was still working on him. So we're all works in progress, yeah. you know. And the other thing, as you were talking, I was thinking about. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not do's and don'ts. It's, you know, we do this because we love Christ, because we want to, not because we have to, but because God compels us to come to him or compels us to serve and give back and 
share Christ with others. So if you want to share your involvement in church or serving over the years, kind of what that's looked like in your life. Yeah. So like I said, I, you know, it's, it, it isn't, you're absolutely right. It's not about having to, it's not like you have to check boxes in order to, to live up to being a Christian, but because of Jesus's sacrifice, we want to be the best version of us that he created right. us to be. Right. And so, you know, as opportunities have come up to serve, which everyone who's been in a church, I mean, churches are organizations of people and there's always places that need help. And I've been fortunate to be able to connect with kids. I've always related to them. And, I, you know, you working with you and, and the youth has been great, but you also get to see probably why I relate to them. My mentality sometimes is about on the same level as those eighth graders. So, uh, it, but anyway, it's, it's, I like that. And, and honestly, I have found for my own path that preparing lessons or thinking about the topic to speak to those guys um, helps me to learn and further. So that's been fun for me. Best week ever has been a, has been a good opportunity to serve because it, it you know it's been it's given me a chance to just go do something for somebody else. And I think that's you know if there's anything that you can boil you know, Christianity down to, it's love, right? It's sacrifice from Jesus, and then it's just showing love. And and one way to show love is to serve. And and regardless of where that is, if you're asked. I kind of believe unless there's some real, real legitimate reason, you should just say yes more than you say no. And and I've gotten a lot from that. Sometimes it puts stress on time, but you know what? It's God's time, not mine. So you should say yes and find a way to make it happen. I think that's a big that's a big part for me. And again, it's it's for me it's practical. I didn't grow up in the church. I don't know every story. I don't know every line of the Bible. Um, you know, so books like James that we're studying now, Romans, uh, especially Romans 12, very practical. And again, like you said, it's not about a do and don't thing, right. but it, there are, there are ways that we should aspire right. to live because of what Jesus did for us. And I, I like those type of things. It works well in my life. So. Right. Well, Bo, I mean, you were joking about being you know, having the same kind of mentality as an eighth grader. I, I don't think that about you. But, I mean, sometimes in order to relate to kids, you got to let them know, you know, I was yeah. your age once. Sure. They, they think it was an ancient, like we're ancient, we're old right. compared to them. Everybody's old compared to I'm 92, to right? Schoolers. Wasn't that the last thing at the pool but, party? I'm 92. But you also, you mentioned Best Week Ever, and we've talked about Best Week Ever before on this program. But that was, um, just for those who might not be aware, that was just a week where our church did service projects in the community, um, just different areas. So if you want to share a little bit about maybe what you did during Best Week Ever. Yeah, so the two years I've served on Best Week Ever, I've done the landscaping crew. And, you know, that's anything from mulching to mowing to weed eating to planting to siding power washing to we laid some ties out here in the back, did some digging and used a bobcat. So, you know, we pulled a lot of people's talent together to just accomplish some tasks that needed done here at the church and in the community. And uh, But I tell you, the thing that's been the coolest is this year, we did some work for some people that we actually have now followed up on and done more work with after. And I think that's, you know, the best week ever. It's certainly, you know, we all are busy. And so it's good to just say, okay, we're setting aside this period of time to actually serve. And then, but if you can take that and develop relationships, right, like we've been talking about, and let that springboard into further help when they need it, or they feel comfortable to call and ask for more help, then I think you're really, that's when you're starting right. to get out in the community right. and, and show some show some true love. Right. So I, I like the springboard right. it provides us, right. but I'm really liking this second right. year where we're actually going yeah. back out to these same same areas. And I know that was intentional this year. They wanted to make sure that the different nonprofits and different people they were serving that they let those people know we're available if you need anything throughout right. the year, not just this one yeah. week. Yeah. The one week is kind of the 
you know, get your foot in the door kind of a thing, build the relationship, let them know. But, you know, being able to be available throughout the year to serve. I know one of the organizations that they Mm -hmm. partnered with that week was Open Doors, and I've gone a couple times Mm -hmm. to help serve meals for the homeless in our community. And it's just great to be able to minister. And um, you can share about this too, but I think not only do the people we serve get blessed, but... When we serve, we get a blessing too. It's probably unfairly much more than they do, to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, it's almost a, you don't, again, you don't do these things for a reward, but you do it to serve and hopefully they get a big benefit. And most of them are, are so gracious, you know, they did. Right. But at the same time, yeah, you walk away going, geez, I don't think I should really feel this good about doing this. But it is a, it, it, it's nice. It makes you feel good about doing that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. I don't think God begrudges us to feel good about the right things, you know. So I think it's a, it is definitely a blessing. Well, Bo, uh, you mentioned earlier that you're married and you Mm -hmm. said you had your first daughter when you came back to church. If you'd just like to share a little bit about your family. I have a very patient and tolerant wife of 26 years this year in June. So um, we've been married for that long, met in high school, believe it or not. We endured two different colleges that we went to and still managed to come out the other end and get married. We got two daughters. One's a sophomore at Virginia Tech, which is my alma mater, and and one's a junior at Fort Defiance who's uh, playing some volleyball right now. So yeah, I have a very busy family. They've, they've been a big blessing to me, my wife's patience. And like I said, she was more of a church person than I ever was. And her patience and tolerance, I credit with a lot for drawing me back in too. So it's always good to have a strong, solid family for sure. Yeah, it's always good to have somebody in your life who shows you Christ almost in flesh, so to speak. Yeah. Um, we know Jesus was in the flesh, but you know, we're not living in the times of Jesus. We get the benefit of reading the stories and knowing <clears throat> that even though he died on the cross, he rose three days later. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's good to have people in your lives that show you Christ. Especially one who lives right with you and is right. much better than you right. are. Right. <laughs> 90% I of the time. I <laughs> believe this, this came up recently in our men's group that, uh, you know, the hardest place to live out your faith is at home. Because you're around those people all the time. I think of something my dad said one time. Home is when you go and you're tired of being nice. It's so true. And my wife and I say that all the time. You put on that face that you're not supposed to put on, right? But you get home and you can let it go. And it, that's where the impatience comes out and the intolerance. And we had this morning, just pertinent, we were talking about bridling your tongue out of James, right? And they made that comment that you said about home's the hardest place to do it. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I got some... I need to be nice. I need to say a few nice words. Right. You know, it just goes right. through your head quick. It's easy. It happens. Because it's it's almost the opposite as it, as it should be. It should be the people you're closest and love the most should get your best. But, you know, because they see your best and your worst, that's why, you know, family and, and love and relationships, that's just yeah. how it works. Yeah. You love people unconditionally. If you'd just like to share about how you all ended up here at the Church of the Nazarene in Harrisonburg. Yeah. Yeah, so when we came back to this area, um, we definitely had the terrible term, I hate it myself, but church shop. We, we needed to find a home, and we looked at a bunch of different churches and attended, and you know, it, it's got to click from a f- spiritual standpoint, being fed, but then also a place you see yourself being able to serve, and ended up finding the uh, Pleasant Valley Church of the Brethren. Great church, awesome community. It's really close to where we are, and it gave us an opportunity to really dig in and start to explore what God had in store for my wife and I. So, you know, we ended up being pastorless on both the youth and senior uh, 
um, side of the pastorship there. And so we had to step in and do a bit with the youth. And so for two and a half or three years, I led the uh, senior and junior highs. Um, my wife was leading the children's ministry. And, and then as we did a pastoral search and someone else came in, they took over those roles. But through that, I had met um, Adrian here and Olivia here through Renew Camp and really enjoyed that opportunity and got to know them a little bit. And so my wife's family goes to this church, uh, Neil and Jill Shepherd and Bill and Janine McClure went here. And, and so we had a nice soft place to transition to. And then as I you know reconnected with Adrian and Olivia a little bit and the opportunity opened up for 3D Ministries and those things, it just kind of grew into a fit. And so now this, we've been here for about two years now and I really love the service aspect of the Church of the Nazarene or Harrisonburg First. So it, I enjoy that part and I enjoy the opportunity to serve and met some great people and starting to get connected with the men's ministry. And through Best Week Ever, Don Tutwaller has, has really um, been a good mentor, even though he probably doesn't know it, just to lead and say, here's how we do things. And here's a, you know, going out into the community and serving. And it's uh, it's been good. I've enjoyed the opportunity. Well, if you want to just share about maybe some of the things you've gotten out of either serving at Renew Camp or through 3D or maybe some of the things you've gotten out of the men's Bible studies. Yeah. You know, just I think one of the hardest things for me, and and it stems from my path into Christianity, I'm not big on sharing my faith. It's just never been something I'm good at. One, again, it can be a level of unworthiness. I, I don't know that I know enough to be able to speak to people about it. But what I can do is serve. What I can do is show up. I can show love through my example. And you've heard me say it to the youth in 3D quite a bit. I said, sometimes your best testimony and the best evangelism is just doing the right thing because you never know who's watching. And, you know, one thing that stuck with me that somebody told me early on in my path is you don't have to convert people to Christianity. You just have to open the door to let God work. So I see that really in my life most prominently as just being an example, doing the right thing, or not doing what everyone else is doing sometimes, which I tell the kids all the time, and I still struggle with it, but not doing some of the things others are doing so that they wonder why. And if they wonder why, then there's your opportunity, or there's God's opportunity to use you to open a door to someone else. And then you don't know how that journey goes, but I just have to believe one of the cool things we're going to find in heaven is we're going to see all the people that maybe saw something we didn't know about. And not that we get credit for it, but they're just like, you helped bring that along. And you're like, wow, I don't think we ever, some people are lucky enough, pastors and such, to see that in this life. I think a lot of us who just live life, that doesn't get revealed to us until the end. And I think, I hope that, and it's part of what drives me to try and be a better example in life, is I hope that people are seeing that and and making that choice. I mean, that's what we're trying for. Right, that's great. And what you were sharing about to the youth, uh, I was thinking about actions speak louder than words. We can profess Christ with our mouth, but if we don't live it through our actions, then it's it's pointless. And we're no different than the world if we're not different in our actions. You were talking about the gospel doesn't need protection. I think of something my dad said before, it doesn't need protection, it needs projection. And the gospel is like a lion. It doesn't need to be defended. Just get out of its way. It'll defend itself. Absolutely. And the men's Bible studies have been great too. Just seeing men come together and encourage and lift each other up. And, you know, we all have similar struggles. We all have similar things in our lives, but encouraging one another uh, just to draw closer to him has really been good. Bo, just in the last few minutes we have here, anything else that you would like to share about your testimony or anything in your life 
that's had an impact on you? You know, I, Grayson, I think if I were to say anything at the end that maybe somebody could take away really would be just because you, you get an opportunity to speak here or, you know, you serve, you know, all these things sound really good if somebody's listening to it and like, oh, maybe he has it all together. I don't. And very few people do. And there's weaknesses throughout my life. There's things that I'm talking about here that aren't things I've accomplished, but they're things that I'm still working to accomplish and achieve. And I think, you know, one of the great things about Christianity and what Jesus did for us on the cross is it's perpetual. It's ongoing. Mm -hmm. It's all the time. So it's not a moment Mm -hmm. in time that you then walk away from and you're on your own. It's a perpetual happens every day, recurring moment in time where he forgives us and we have to surrender. I mean, and that I like that aspect of you don't have to be perfect to be able to sit here and and work in God's world. So, Well, thank you for sharing and thank you for your vulnerability. And yes, surrender is a daily thing, something we all have to be doing daily, die daily, so to speak, die to our will. And uh, also you're, talking about previously about you know we won't know till heaven hopefully the impact that some of our actions we don't know who's watching us but uh even if god's the only one watching us you know we should live as if you know we want to please him and whoever else is watching and you know comes to him through our witness is a bonus so to speak and i think about that often a lot especially in relation to this program i hope that I don't know till heaven one day the impact of who has heard the testimonies that have come through the airwaves through this program. So, Bo, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you. I appreciate it. I'm humbled. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I pray that as you've heard Bo Hammond's testimony, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.